Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, football fans, it's Brendan Curie here. You're about to listen to our Week 8 High School Football Podcast Preview, looking ahead to the first week of the postseason. And we just had one updated game time I wanted to tell you about. We recorded this podcast on Wednesday afternoon, and since then we have found out that the Old Colony at Upper Cape Division 8 South first-round game has been moved from Saturday at noon to Friday at 6.30 p.m. at Bourne High School. So Old Colony at Upper Cape will be played at 6.30 p.m. at Bourne High School. The South Coast End Zone Podcast. Extended coverage of high school football from sports editor Lori Lose of the Standard Times. Now, the South Coast End Zone. Welcome back to South Coast End Zone, the podcast. This is the playoff preview edition we are heading into week eight of the high school slate which means we are into the miaa tournament and here on the south coast in the area that the standard Times south coast varsity covers we have five playoff teams but first i want to dive really quickly into i have the same guests as last week nick fryer and sam Schilling. how you guys doing doing very well hey you doing well I'm sure uh, everyone listened to it because it was our most listened to football podcast of the season. We did our draft last week. We put it out on Twitter. We asked you guys who you thought had the best draft among us. And by the narrowest mm-hmm. of narrow margins, mm-hmm. Nick Fryer wears the crown. I feel pretty good about it. If you want to take more than a few seconds to talk about this whole, you know, recap the draft, I'm totally fine with it. Um, I think that it was... Nick is in his glory here. He came in with a throne. Yes, exactly. And uh, I have my hat on, too, as well, my crown. And, uh, Brendan, I just want you to know that you were a worthy adversary. It was a... It was, we were separated by one vote. Yes, we had 147 votes total. Mm-hmm. And Nick, uh, Nick got 64 of those. I got 63. And we had more listeners than that, according to you. I don't know why everybody didn't vote, but that's, uh, you know, next time just vote. Rock the vote. Isn't that the whole thing going on right now? It's true. Got to yeah. get out there and vote. So, exactly. Uh, yeah. The poll is closed now, though. So. Sam, do you have Polls anything to uh, say? Well, I thought we were going to revisit, you know, performances because I'm not really. Uh, I thought the. Um, Sam Sam doesn't believe in our listeners. Mm-hmm. Well, I wouldn't. Uh, not, not trusting their acumen. Well, I think we should just, you know, revisit how the, how the players how the players fared. Because right, again, we, we could do that at the end of the I season. I, I would enjoy that. All right. I don't know how we'll factor in the uh, linemen and the defensive guys, though. Pancakes. Pancakes. And, and all pancakes. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I want our listeners did, to know that I care. Did you breakfast today? No, I did not. I, lo- I just love breakfast food. Uh, but I want our listeners to know that I, I value their opinion immensely. And I think they did a very good job. And if Brendan had one, too. This is probably how you won the vote. Yeah. Just kissing up to the voters. Stop, stop. stop. Yeah, <laughs> just hugging babies <laughs> no, around town. I would never do anything like that. What, what did you want to say about playoff football again? What was that? Yes, playoff. <laughs> so now you're okay moving yeah. on. So. Uh, like I said, we got five playoff teams playing either uh, Friday night or Saturday, and there's one game that definitely stands out. I uh, was having a lot of local interest. Division Six South, number eight Bishop Stang, they're sitting at four and three, is going to be playing at number one and still undefeated Old Rochester, seven and zero. Oh. 
Now, have you guys seen both of these teams, or who's seen who? I have not seen Old Rochester, but I've read enough about them. Yeah, I've only seen Stang play. All right, so we've so. all seen Stang. Mm-hmm. So let's start with them, then. Uh, I guess kind of go with the uh, w- what impresses you and uh, what has you maybe not worried, but, but an area that Old Rochester might be able to take advantage of. Well, I think Stang, um, early in the season, I was kind of basing, I uh, covered the Seekonk game, and Seekonk has been pretty good the last few years, so I was fairly impressed with the 42-22 to victory. But since Seekonk has kind of been on the skids, and then we also, I kind of factored in a sandwich. They beat Sandwich 22-7, to and I was thinking, you know, okay, Sandwich is usually like a fairly decent-sized little Cape team, but now we look as like the playoff they've reseeded. Sandwich, sandwich has, has yet to win a game. Uh, Seekonk... Uh, has struggled down the stretch, some pretty lopsided defeats. Um, and then again, once they've gotten to um, some of the you know more challenging teams on their schedule, Cohasset and uh, Bishop Fian, you know haven't haven't quite been um, ready for those guys. So I think it's just going to take you know their best performance, and maybe they learned something from you know Case last week with uh, Case giving Old Rochester quite a game. So when I looked at the, whoever Old Rochester was going to play, I was initially thinking that Stang has whoever it is has no chance just because how well Old Rochester's done all season. But then we see what Case does in that game, and obviously the we were talking before about school size and how that makes a huge difference in football, maybe more than any other sport. And they go and lose by seven, and it was a kick return, right? I mean that was that yeah, was the difference kick, in the kick end. Return with fifty five seconds left. I mean that was the difference in the game in the championship. So I mean, look, I'm not saying Old Rochester is. Uh, has taken a step back or is a worse team than I expected. I just think that they're vulnerable right now. And as much as Stang lost their last game, look, I was there. Fien was a very good team, very dynamic offense, uh, good throwing quarterback. He didn't run much, but when he did, he was very effective. Um, that Fourier kid, Christian Fourier's kid, he was a very good receiver. Uh, he he made me feel like uh, he was just, I, I think he's he, the best high school football player I've seen this. He's season. a man amongst boys. He really is. Um, so I think that right now, Old Rochester, this is a good time for Stang to meet up with them. I think. I think. I'm not saying they're going to win. I still would pick Old Rochester, but um, you know, you were talking about it before, but I don't want to steal your point. But how Lopes can play is obviously going to play a huge factor in this game, and I think he matches up well for Old Rochester. Exactly. So that's been Old Rochester's Achilles heel this season, has been the dual-threat quarterback. Uh, Daniel Silva really hurt him last week for Case. Uh, even uh, Jake Meehan from uh, Somerset Berkeley was able to do some things against him. DR was able to do some things against him. Uh, you know, they seem like they're, the Old Rochester defense is very good at, like, kind of following its assignment and doing what's assigned on that play. But when the offense starts to freelance a little bit or when there's options mixed in there, then, you know, I don't know if it's the decision-making or they're just so hell-bent on what they were supposed to be doing on the original defensive call. Uh, you know, they seem to be on their heels a little bit when and uh, playing a little hesitantly when they're not exactly sure what the offense is doing. A little bit, Justin Kogler did fall on the sword a little bit. Uh, he did admit to kind of having the wrong game plan in against Case. Uh, they thought that Case was going to be a much more run-heavy option, and Case instead spread it out. The only time I ever noticed them not in the shotgun the whole game was on a, a kneel down at the end of the first half, you know, when they had seven seconds left till halftime. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they ran a spread. Uh, Old Rochester kind of stuck in this zone, which I did question a little bit. But the real thing was I didn't get any pass rush, which surprised me at Old Rochester. Um, but they might get a little more pass rush this week. Stang, while they're solid, they don't have a lot of size mm-hmm. on no, the they line, don't. They don't. especially. Um, so Old Rochester will have a little bit of a size advantage there. Uh, but the one thing I wonder is if they're going to get be so gung ho about like, hey, we have to stop Justin Lopes. Like that has to be the game plan. We have to stop Justin Lopes. 
that maybe Tim Manley, maybe Matt Pollock starts to get free a little bit. You know, maybe if they're so gung ho about, hey, we can't let Lopes and Camacho beat us, you know, that it ends up being uh, another one of those guys. Manley's kind of been a little quiet the last few weeks, so yep. he might be looking yep. for a breakout game. And Pollock's was a key running back for him last year and has been used much more as a wide receiver this season. Yeah, I mean, the statistic from the old Rochester game uh, against Case that stood out to me was the 10 catches for 215 or 220 yards by uh, Chris Costa. Because mm-hmm. I just thought that was, um, and you said it was mostly in the screen game and kind of short passing. You know, 10 catches, probably five were screens. Um, and then the rest were, uh, Silva had so much time, he could run or, you know, hang out in the backfield, and Costa would find a hole in the zone, sit down in it, and he'd hit him. Yeah, so I, I just wonder with that um, kind of model if that's going to be Camacho because it did seem to me at least early in the season Bishop Stang was much more kind of timing oriented pass patterns very few reads but just getting it out and trusting you know your athletes and Eric Camacho to kind of get open and you know at least uh, live with an incomplete pass so that'll be interesting and then to see if you know because with Tim Manley Jr. and Matt Pollock spread those guys out wide and then uh, see how they do because the one thing about old Rochester and again I'm basing this off of last year um, when they played Somerset Berkeley and lost with a very athletic um, uh, I think it was Chase Stafford or something mm-hmm. like that very yeah. athletic quarterback who extended plays um, was they're big and strong up front but outside of Cam Brzezinski and Harry Smith coming off the edge they really you know if a quarterback could break contain they didn't none of their interior uh, front four or their two linebacker inside linebackers were really going to catch you now they so have think, added Dylan DeWolf to that inside linebacking corner. They didn't have. Yeah. So again, so but I, you know, so you're right. Yeah. We'll see. Because, but again, that that number when you know it's going to one receiver and you're not able to shut him down, you know, I, I just wonder what's going on in the back end of that defense as well. So it'll be it'll be a fun matchup for sure. I think the biggest thing that you brought up, Brendan, too, was the fact that that Kogler didn't game plan properly for Case or Case knew what to expect and they kind of adjusted on the fly that midweek they knew that old Rochester had a you know I mean you look at the numbers here uh they didn't allow a touch what was it a touchdown until week 4 right is that what it was uh, yeah first three, three yeah first shutouts on the se- or four shutouts on the season right and the first 3 weeks first were all shutouts, were all shutouts but yeah. they they knew what they were going to do and they're playing mostly run heavy teams so they're stopping the run why not try and pass and see how it works? And obviously extending those plays allows Sylvia to you know, run a little bit. Well, they know what Lopes is going to do. They know if the play goes on for too long, he will just get out and run. I mean, he did a ton against Fian, and that's not the first time he's done it. So if they're prepared for that going into it, I, I don't I don't see them getting fooled like they did this last time against Case. So mm-hmm. I think that's the big advantage is having something like that happen to them right before the postseason. They will be prepared for everything this time around. I'm figuring Stang will be able to score some on Old Rochester. Yeah. The question is, will Stang be able to stop Old Rochester? That's true. That's what Case never did, other than turnovers. That's a good one point. turnover on downs, but other than that, Old Rochester got the ball, and even when they turn it over, they turn it over on the five, they turn it over on the ten, on Case's five and Case's ten. So they mm-hmm. were going down to score points. So Old Rochester was close to putting up fifty points in that game. So that's what I wonder too: is, is Stang's defense is solid, but they've. They've been scored on in pretty much every game, especially in the last half of the season here. Are we picking final scores? Uh, you pick a winner. How about that? Okay, we'll pick a winner. Okay, I, just, I want to yeah. make sure. I, well, and it'll be interesting because if, if, you know, thinking with Stang is if they load up the box, maybe an extra defensive tackle or nose guard on the field, and then force, you know, Cole McIntyre to beat you and Tyler, no. Because, again, they've been good, but, you know, it's kind of getting away from that just 
having you know des diaz and uh jackson cody Cody just running it down your throat um and then again i think tim manley jr really had a second receiver yeah rogers has pretty much been mcintyre to know they got mm -hmm. adam bro out there and stuff but he hasn't caught that many balls and tim manley jr is an impressive athlete i mean he's you know six foot three plays corner uh can can run really well i don't think tyler no has faced too many uh cornerbacks i think i can say that pretty safely that have that athletic ability of tim manley so that'd be interesting if he follows him around the as, field as he noted i think in week two uh no corners in the sec could cover him yeah he made that clear but he did he mention the eac so he we'll did not see. he did not so yeah then. so i think and that's while stang has a size disadvantage on the line um in manley and camacho they definitely have a size advantage in that kind of wide receiver cornerback battle mm-hmm. um against uh anthony childs and, and tyler no are both on the smaller side for old rochester yeah. so it'll be i mean but again a chess match they obviously know you know while they don't play during the regular season just being in the same coverage area they hear a lot about each other and then you uh brendan were saying that you know there is even some crossover from yeah youth i was football out talking circles. to uh so yeah uh, wareham uh, pop warner a lot of these kids grew up playing with each other uh tyler no jackson cody and justin lopes were on the same teams kind of every age level um kind of migrated up through through the different pop warner levels um all the way till uh, i think eighth grade for no and then uh uh, Cody was even saying that when he was in eighth grade, he played on the Wareham freshman team and played against Justin Lopes when he was playing on the Stang freshman team. So these guys know each other. The last time Lopes and No were on a field together was at playing Pop Warner B, which I think he said was seventh grade, against Brockton in the state championship. And uh, Justin Lopes hit Tyler No for the game-winning touchdown. That's not going to happen this weekend. In pot, well, unless it's an inter- game oh, interception. Yeah. Oh, there you wow. go. Wouldn't that be? That yeah. would be something. Yeah, it could have happened in that case game. There could have been an interception. I mean, there were some. So that'll be one other key too. Is these are two of the most disciplined teams that we have in our area. Like, mm-hmm. Both well coached, don't make a lot of mistakes. Old Rochester had not had more than one turnover in a game before last week when they turned it over three times. So they've been preaching ball security, and I'm sure Stang has too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you guys want to make your picks? Sure. I'm going to go with Old Rochester. Yeah, I think if it's just a pick I'm, I'm going Old Rochester. But I think Bishop Stang could make a closer, uh, you know, touchdown game or something like that. It's a one-touchdown game. One-touchdown game? Mm-hmm. I'm going Old Rochester. I think it might be a two-score game in the end. Okay. High scoring, though. High scoring. So, so yeah, let's, uh, let's get another team that midseason we weren't sure if they were going to be making the playoffs, but they have played really well lately. That's New Bedford Whalers. They are 3-4 and four after a three-game winning streak. They are the number seven seed in Division Two South. And they are have a playoff rematch here. They are traveling to number two Natick, who's 5-2. and two. Natick gave them a pretty good beatdown last season. But I was looking at some scores here. Natick at home lost 22-20 to 20 to Brockton. New Bedford, of course, just beat Brockton 18 to nothing at Brockton this mm-hmm. last week. Now, that is a Week 2 game versus a Week 7 game. But when you're playing the score games, that should give the Whalers some confidence there. Yeah, absolutely. And they've already dealt with it. When I was talking to Coach Debrito before earlier in the week, he was saying how we now, we're familiar with their setting. We know what their their fan base is like, their crowd, the locker room, all that stuff. And as a kid, going to you know going to somewhere like Natick, you know that far away, it may as well be a foreign country just because you have no, you're not used to the people, you're not used to the faces. You know they're used to playing Brockton and they've been there before. They know about the rivalry from growing up as a kid. Natick's just totally different, so that'll get in your head. And I, I don't expect. I'm still kind of deciding. I'll have a decision by the end who I think is going to win this one. But I think that you know that we won't see a beatdown like last year. That's for sure. We definitely won't. It'll definitely be a tight contest. And that's been New Bedford's mo all season. Like they haven't had a lot of separation in any game. The last two games they won by 18 were the biggest point differentials for mm-hmm. them for the entire season. 
Yeah, I think Natick has uh, has kind of a younger group. I think last year they were real senior heavy, and you know New Bedford was still a little younger um, with kind of being senior heavy this year. So I do think you know based on some of those scores, it should be closer. I think the thing that really hurts New Bedford is uh, it does not look like Baron Hilton's going to yeah. be playing. So um, that being said, Shahid Barros, a, a guy that we didn't draft in our fantasy draft, who I think showed with a fumble return for a touchdown a 35 yard touchdown reception and then also a forced fumble um is a guy to really uh watch for and he you know he's only a junior but he kind of stepped in um so hopefully you know he can kind of keep that going and even though you know it was uh 18 to nothing on the scoreboard you know new bedford was uh while some of them were caused you know were kind of the recipient of some uh lax ball security by brockton so i don't know if, if they're going to you know be so fortunate against natick so again i think it's you know playing your best game and it is a little bit of a hike on a friday afternoon hopefully they leave uh plenty early and um but i, I think it definitely it's safe to say it'll be a closer contest than it was last year and i think the offense has gained a lot of confidence here they were really struggling early in the season they're still only averaging 16 points a game on the season, but they've averaged 28.7 in their last three games. Yeah. Their average points per game in the last three is more than they scored total in their first four mm-hmm. games. But I think you also have wow. to factor in Brockton that was there was a defensive touchdown there, mm-hmm. and one they recovered a fumble on the with inside the five yard line. So while there were some good signs from the offense, you know, one was a defensive touchdown and one was a pretty uh, you know fortuitous turn of events. So. Um, I don't think they're quite out of the woods. I did see some good things. You know, they're running True Williams a little bit more. Mm-hmm. That yeah, was 73 yards last week, 16 carries. I'm guessing that's got to be a career high. Yeah, uh, it seemed like it. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Latrell Cantu is doing some good things, and they also had the screen game working really nicely. So kind of, you know, when the defensive linemen were kind of trying to get a little too aggressive, that was a nice little uh, option there. So, you know, they've they've got the weapons to do it. Looking at the Natick scores, too, the offense is definitely going to have to wait, be awake this game because, I mean, their lowest scoring game what was when they lost and they scored 16 points to, uh, to Needham. But outside of that, over 20 every single game, almost got to 50 over Brookline. I mean, I don't know how good Brookline is, but, I mean, their, their offense is used to keeping things rolling throughout. And New Bedford, I mean, I think True's going to be the difference in the game. I mean, it's not exactly a bold statement, but, you know, you're relying on your quarterback, but he they need to let him run a little bit more. And I think, you know, now that they're starting to do it, that's a great sign for how things will transpire in this one. And there's no more tomorrows. I mean, one of the arguments against running him was always they didn't really have a great backup, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, you know, not that Ethan Medeiros is, is terrible, but it would be a big difference between going from True Williams to anyone who was backing him up. Now, I mean, you're in the playoffs. Every game is pa- paramount. So, I mean, run him. You know, don't don't be too worried. Don't you know? Don't be playing for tomorrow. Yeah, and um, I saw- you mentioned the scoring there. I just want to say, 31.3 is what Natick's averaging per game. That's gone up to 36.6 in the last four. Wow. Yeah. Wow. But. Um- I don't know. It reminded me today. I just saw you know an ESPN headline, and it was Eric Weddle, who's a safety for uh, the Baltimore Ravens. But he was talking about Cam Newton, and he was just saying that this guy's just like you know a dinosaur because he's huge and he's there's not too many of them, and you know he gets downhill, and you know that's a size differential. Cam Newton's about six five, two forty five, and you look at you know True Williams, who's about six three, two twenty. It's the high school equivalent of that. And I'd even say the disparity might even be larger for yeah. high school. So I'd say like. Why not? You know, QB power right, QB power left. Uh, don't even worry about the read option. I think they're getting too screwy about that. Just use Latrell Cantu as a fullback and just get downhill. And again, it's there's there's no tomorrows. This is what you know. It's always been uh, trust the process, keep going. You know, and 
this is what it comes down to because uh, springing an upset against a, a traditional power like Natick in this setting, I mean, that would that would really lend some uh, legitimacy and credence to this program. So I mean, beating Fian, beating Brockton, I mean, that shows you can hang with some of the better teams at this level. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, was, I wasn't at the game, but, I mean, just looking at it, what really stood out to me was, like you said, those 35 runs between them between True Williams and Latrell Canto because we saw times last year and even early this season when New Effort got away from the run so early and they'd finish a game with 15 rushing attempts all game. Uh, and when you got that type of guys in the backfield, you can't be doing that. Yeah, and they had a nice set. Uh, uh, the Whoever you had, Bill Abramson, was covering it, but they were calling it heavy heavy aces, you know, but bringing in another uh, offensive tackle and just, you know, just committing to the run, which is very different than sometimes when it was New Bedford was all spread, all, you know, passing the ball what 40 45 times a game so it was it was a nice uh balance and a nice adjustment it may not be the way mark de wants to win but he'll he'll do whatever it takes to win yes yeah. you got to play the cards you dealt yeah yeah so that's uh seven. oh well let's, let's go around here i am actually gonna go with new bedford i think they have the talent and if they push the envelope like you guys are saying then i think they'll be able to pull this one out but it is gonna be it's gonna have to be a shootout they're gonna have to be ready with that offense yeah i'm i'm you know, how could I not pick New Bedford at this point? You know, why, you know, it's been built into this, and hopefully, you know, these guys have a good week of practice and, you know, uh, spring the upset of a kind of a younger Natick team. I'm 2-5 and five picking Whalers games this season. So I'm sure New Bedford's hoping that I pick Natick because mm. that probably gives them a better chance yeah. judging on how well I've done the rest of the season. But something, something feels like there's some momentum building with this Whalers team. So... We're six for six for Old Rochester and New Bedford right now with uh, picking these games. So it's going to change. It will, yeah. So uh, number that is seven o'clock. Uh, New Bedford at Natick, seven o'clock on Friday, and uh, moving back to Division Six South, number five Aponiquin. Uh Kind of probably, I'd say the the feel good surprise story of the season for us. Like as far as teams that have exceeded uh, the preseason expectations the most, they probably lead the party there. Mm-hmm. They are four and three. They are the five seed. Uh, they were. We thought they were fighting to get into the playoffs going to last week, and then they had a nice win over Bourne, jumped them all the way to number five. They are playing at number four Dedham, which is a six and one team, yeah. and uh, almost was a three. So they actually had the same number of points as Medway, uh, but Medway had beat them head to head during the year. So Medway got the three seed, mm. Dedham got the four. Punchwick goes to Dedham. Uh, not a lot of uh, like kind of score games you can play with these. They didn't have any common opponents. Um, Med. Dedham didn't even really play anyone that any of our teams play at all. Mm-hmm. So there's not a whole lot to compare it to. But the Lakers, uh, they, you know, they've won a couple in a row. Basically, in my mind, they've had they have three losses. Two were very disappointing, and one was a tough loss to a Middleborough team that is not as good as it was last year. But that was their first game of the season. They were the defending state champs. And that, that to me, was a quality loss. And then you just kind of have the two ORR and the DR games that kind of stand out. And other than that, Aponica has been very competitive. And a big win over Bourne last week. Yeah, I mean, when you lose to Old Rochester, I mean, anybody pretty much at this point, it's just like, well, what can you do? They're just that good. But I, when I was looking at the, the seedings, isn't Dedham tied with the second-place team too? Wasn't it? They all had 6-1 and one records. Yeah. But the number but two the team, whoever it was, had more points. Yeah. Dedham and uh, Medway were actually tied exactly in points. Gotcha. Okay. but that's So basically, they should be the two-seed, though, in the grand scheme of things. They lost one. I mean, I understand they're not. But they have the same record. Yeah. So Aponiquit kind of got, you know, got the shaft on this one. I mean, like, this is – I don't look at this matchup and see how they can necessarily pull off the upset here. I'm already kind of giving away my pick early, but it's just this seems like a team that's too is – is a better team than their seed has given them. 
So I just can't. I, I mean, it's it, definitely a tough one and on the road, too. Make yeah, it yes. seems a loaded top half of the bracket. And, you know, Dedham's a little bit of a ride that's more kind of in the Boston sphere than it is the yeah, South kind of the Coast. Area, right? Yeah, so that's going to be, you know, travel's not great again at Poniquit. They're traveling from Lakeville, so it's not quite as far. Um, but, you know, again, young core uh, for Poniquit. Um, I know they've got a couple seniors. Uh, that are really only contributing. four, you know, on so the whole roster. none so of this, these guys have playoff experience. I forgot to mention that too yeah. when I was talking to Coach mm-hmm. Fife the other day. Mm-hmm. None of them do so. No. That's the other thing. So the deck stacked against them right now. It would be a great upset, like you said, feel good story, but it just doesn't look like it's in the cards. Yeah, and there's plenty of room for kind of silver linings because you know that it seems like that sophomore class is really strong with Kevin Hughes um, and Chase Gorman and uh, uh, Mike Hendrickson. Mike Hendrickson. So. Uh, you know, I think there's still a lot to play for, but I I do agree with Nick. It's gonna be it's gonna be a challenge, but uh, you know, Poniquit's kind of returned to the run. So if there's ever a, a chance to you know punch above your weight class, it's kind of you know uh, being able to churn out uh, first downs on the ground, uh, keep the clock moving, shorten the game, and then you know hopefully uh, you know at the end you're playing in the fourth quarter. So uh, I'm picking Dedham, but I think you know Poniquit hopefully. They come out of this feeling feeling confident moving forward. Are you going to mix it up, Brendan? No, I, th- I don't know. I mean, I don't know enough about Dedham, but I mean, just looking at some of their scores, who they beat, uh, they have a much better uh, you know point ratio here. They're averaging twenty five point six four, giving up fifteen a game, whereas uh, Pontiac's actually been outscored on the season just barely. But Pontiac was average, averaging twenty point six and giving up twenty one point one. Yeah, and didn't Dedham play ORR last year in the playoffs? I feel like Probably. that was a yeah. score. I don't know if they. It'll be second round. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I thought that's what the might who they bowed out against. No, they, well, they bowed out against Middleborough. Oh, Middleborough. So maybe Dedham was a team they beat. Um, yeah. It felt it, like it that been, was. It would have been, yeah, first or second round. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd have to go back and look at that. But either way. Yeah. So that's uh, also 7 o'clock on Friday. Number 5 of Poniquit at number 4 Dedham. And our last playoff game here, number 7 Old Colony is going to be a rematch. <laughs> From last Saturday's game, unreal at number two Upper Cape, same location, same teams, just gonna run it all back here. Uh, this one will be Saturday at noon. Neither of these schools uh, even have light, so Friday night was not an option unless they brought them in. Um, you know, we could go over the whole score comparison, but they just played last week. Uh, the key for Old Colony is gonna be can they score? They yep. have they have one touchdown in the last two games. Um, they lost thirteen to six last week. Uh, they didn't get a whole lot of stuff going. Uh, Mitchell Wilson ran for 42 yards. Phil Proctor at 32. Matt Bumpus didn't really get going. They did pass for a season-high 25 yards, which I think they had four passing yards coming into the game. So that's a significant improvement. Um, and it was a 7-6 to six game with three minutes to play. So, I mean, this one seems like whoever plays better on this day can win this game. Their defense is locked down. I mean, they've allowed no more than 14 points in a game mm-hmm. this year. Um, I think that they it, it, the advantage that they have right now is honestly Mendes, their head coach. I mean, he knows what he's doing on the defensive side of the ball. So this could easily turn into a six point game for Upper Cape. And offensively, look, we they saw what Upper Cape's throwing at them. So now they can adjust and game plan for that accordingly. And I'm sure Upper Cape's going to make you know changes there as well. But they have a better idea of what this team brings to the table. So that's why um, I think Old Colony, as much as they're the seventh seed, again, I'm jumping the gun here on my pick, but I really think that Old Colony's going to pull this one out. Um, no surprise there. We know that Nick kind of... Uh Big old, colony, the big old colony, big old colony guy. I, I um, hated him in high school. <laughs> <laughs> they were our rivals. That's true. Mayflower League. That yeah. is. come full circle. Um, <laughs> yeah. But again, old colony. You know why not? Uh, 
thirteen to six is very much a, a ball game, and then with a week to prepare, um, that's got to be a coach's dream, right? You play a team, uh, and then you get to run it back and play them again. So it's kind of a battle of the coaches. I know uh, you t- talked about Mendy's. I know their offensive coordinator Boomer, uh, former you know Vogue Tech basketball Vogue coach. Tech basketball coach, great all around great guy, and uh, so hopefully he's drawn something up. Maybe maybe we'll see a little more passing. You know, maybe you, it was just more of a rope a dope move. Um, you know, get them kind of false sense of security, and then all of a sudden they're gonna, you know, throw the ball, chuck the ball around the yard. So we shall see. But old colony springing the upset. Yeah, the key to me is going to be big plays because that seemed like what Upper Cape got. Upper Cape got two run plays of more than forty yards in that one, and that seemed to be the difference. Mm-hmm. Whereas Old Colony has excelled. Like if Kyle Schultz breaks one, like that seems to be the difference for them in a lot of these games, whether they win one or lose one, is like. Do they get all 10-yard or less runs, or do they have that one play that they break for 50 yards mm. and kind of makes things a whole lot easier? Mm-hmm. So that'll be interesting. I'll be at that one as well myself. Uh, yeah, so uh, Nick, you'll, you'll, be at, uh, you'll be New Bedford at Natick, right? Yeah, yes, I will. Yeah. Bedford Natick. And uh, Ed Collins will be covering the Aponic with Dedham. So uh, let's kind of breeze through the non-playoff Wait, game. what's your so. pick on the Old Colony game? Oh, oh, oh. Sam, um, you're going with Old Colony, right? Yeah. Yeah. Got to go with the Cougs. What about you, Brent? I'm going with Old Colony. Obviously, everybody knows it at this point. I'm going to play the heel. Thank can you, you can you pick I'm games you're covering? Isn't that like a cardinal? I don't think so. I think ESPN does it every week. Oh, do they? I always yeah, thought they that have was all like all their experts pick and then they go cover the games, right? Oh, uh, I thought it was like that thing where they tried to maintain like a level of Oh, oh I'm, there's so much I'm bias covering here, this game. Even, I'm covering this game. I'm always so. rooting for the home team. I want to write about a win. I don't even try to hide yeah, that. Yeah, I don't right, want to. Yeah, I don't. If it's two locals, you you try to, you know, tamper it down a little bit. But if it's local versus non-local, I'm always rooting for the local team to win. Nice. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we got that out in the open. Objectivity <laughs> in the trash. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's speed through lightning round here. Um, in a couple of Division Six teams, Martha's Vineyard is one and six. They're playing at Fairhaven, which is two and five. Blue Devils had a very promising season going through four weeks, and it's kind of fallen apart a little bit on them. Uh, they were they were two and one, and then they went to Case and lost a three point game to Case, and then it's kind of been a little bit downhill for them then. Uh, they lost uh, to Bourne by, was that, 18? No, 28. Oh, jeez. Uh, 28. They lost OR by 35. And then uh, they lost to Somerset Berkeley by 29 again. Uh, so the last four game, last three games, they've been outscored 43.4 to 12.7. Wow. Which is crazy because in their first four games, they had a cumulative score of basically an 18 to 12 win. Mm-hmm. So they've gone to an 18-12 win over four games to a 43-13 to loss over the last three. The good thing, But they, this is a very winnable game. The good thing they have All going for said. them is they're playing Martha's Vineyard, who's lost to West Bridgewater, and who else? They lost there? to Vogue Tech, who Fairhaven beat in the season opener. And they lost to Carver Sacred Heart, 6-7 and nothing. I mean, I, I, I own, think... Their only win is Atlanta's Charter, yeah. which is a winless team. We'll right. talk about them a little bit later. Yeah, so I mean, I, I think that it, Fairhaven should have this one pretty comfortably. This is hopefully the bounce back game for him, and then there's also a little bit of uh, some rumors. Brady Bennett dressed last week. There's uh, some talking. Might this might be his return? Yeah, and now with a broken. I think they're you know when they get going, they're a physical team with the kind of the the option run heavy sets and Zach Giot, uh tough kid Owen Sabula and uh, Flynn Borgo. So I I think they get back on track in a big way this game. All right, so that's uh, six o'clock because it's the Vineyard. They got to get on a ferry on Friday night. Also at 6 o'clock, uh, Wareham will be playing at Atlantis Charter. I'm sure we all remember them when uh, Stang was struggling to come up with a win last season. They were able to get uh, a big victory over Atlantis Charter. This is uh, 0-7 Wareham against 0-6 Atlantis Charter. Atlantis Charter has one, one score this year. One, 
Somebody's I assume it was one touchdown. Win. I realize I wrote in my notes they scored one touchdown all year. Technically, it could have been two field goals, but I'm pretty sure it was one touchdown. Yeah, somebody, well, somebody's got to win. That was it. last week in a 21-6 to loss to Coyle, which sounds fairly close, but then you wonder what was really who they were know, how much Coyle was playing. Because no, we know were. in that Cohasset, yeah. we heard that in the Cohasset game, like Cohasset did, just played their JV exactly. and still yeah. won 14 to nothing. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm picking Wareham. I think Wareham, although they've had a really rough season, I think they still – teams in the SEC – you know, kind of the bottom half of the SEC, we're still playing tough to try to beat them. You know, they scored 20 on Bourne. Um, I don't think – I think Wareham's going to show that they're still a different tier than uh, this Atlantis charter that strikes me as very curious, like this whole – I think it's year two of the program. Yeah. They're just trying to build the program out of nothing. Yeah. But you think maybe starting a couple years as a JV program might be at least smarter and possibly safer. True. Um, but again, I will withhold judgment because I have not seen Atlanta Charter. So, props I, to them. I think Wareham, when I saw them against Case, and I look, Case was going into it, and I'm sure they knew we should be able to walk away with this one easily. So, you know, a couple big plays, and it's like, whoa, what's going on? Um, but I, I think Wareham right now has some level of momentum. They they have potential going forward as a program. Um, I just think right now, looking at this game alone, they're the better team. There's no questions asked. I mean, they've scored against whether or not some teams let off the gas they still scored in, in every game uh, except yeah. for old rochester and yeah i mean and we kind of expect that but you look at Atlanta's charter one game that's it so i mean i i can't i mean you got to go wear him in this one Atlanta's charter's average game this year is a 25 to 1 loss this is not to knock Atlanta's charter but this is an 0-7 versus an 0-6 and it might be the easiest pick for us in this game yeah i mean i'm going wareham too i mean they they this is their first division 8 game of the year it's first division 8 team they'll yeah. play this season this is where eric zine like shows why he was yeah, important isaac panero will probably do some things yeah. Tyler king will get involved feed eric zine i'm yeah. hoping you know 250 yards rushing. Did you draft him on your uh, team? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's oh there the, we go. But there the Wareham uh, Twitter presence motives. is clearly not as uh, strong as the old colony. Twitter so no idea what you're talking to about. To the 7 o'clock <laughs> games on Friday. Uh, another winless team, Sandwich, we mentioned them earlier. They're 0-6. They are going to be playing at Grave New Bedford Vocational Technical. 2-5. Uh, they are coming off a win over Wareham. And they've actually won 2 out of 3, including a win over Martha's Vineyard. Uh, with a loss to DR there in the middle. Um, doesn't look like Sandwich can score a lot. They're averaging less than nine points a game. They're giving up 36 a game. Numbers are a little bit better for Voak. They're averaging 13 a game and giving up 30. Um, I know Voke has some injury issues, but still this looks like a winnable game for the Bears to me. I'd pick them. You know, the only, like, the only slight apprehension I get, and I'm talking, and when I say slight, I mean a sliver, just that it's Sandwich. And it's their a program that you, you would expect more from, but that they're not there. They're not who they've been in years past. Evoke Tech should walk away with this one again. Another one, I mean, I don't mean to keep saying it with these non-playoff games, but this is just a game that Evoke Tech should go in and honestly win something like 35-7, to 35-10 to well, 10 won't happen, but I guess 35-8. Yeah, I disagree. I think Sandwich is going to win. Um, I look at that. Wow. Again, I don't know if they've had injuries down the stretch, but uh, to me the, the keystone that I'm going off is that 22-7 to 7, uh Lost to Stang. So again, I think I if from what I've watched, Volk, St. John Paul. what I've watched from Voke Tech, and again, it's a very small sample size. I think that uh, they would struggle to keep it that close against uh, against Stang. While I'm pulling for uh, the Bears, I think Sandwich is going to kind of reap the benefits of playing a fairly strong schedule. Falmouth is a legit team. Marshfield, Nosset, we know about Stang, obviously, and Dy uh, Dennis Yarmouth is usually pretty good. So I think they're going to come in and. Um, 
you know, take care of the Bears. All right, so our last game here. Uh, hey, who are you picking we, that game, Brandon? Sorry to cut you I, off. I said Voktek right Oh, you did? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't think it'll be a blowout, though. I think that'll be a much closer game. But I also think 3-5 and five for Justin Cruz at any point in this season, is, it should be considered a victory, mm-hmm. considering mm-hmm. where the program was the last couple seasons. Mm-hmm. So our last one here, uh, Division Four Dartmouth at 1-6, and six, playing up against a Division Three Milford team. 3-4, and four. so... All of our this that's the most wins of any of our non-playoff uh, teams here. Uh, now there's not a lot of score games to be played, but uh, Milford has won three in a row after starting 0 and four, and their average score in that span is 34 to 17 with wins over Sharon, Foxborough, and Stoughton. Uh, we all know the Indians have been struggling to score the ball all year, um, so but they've also played. Them and New Bedford, I mean, between the two of them, have played the toughest schedule of anyone in our area. It might even be Dartmouth playing the toughest schedule overall. Yeah, yeah it's true. I just, when I saw them, they just, it didn't seem like they could ever get anything going. They're just spinning their tires. And you're going up against a team that has significant momentum. And like you said, has the best record of a non-playoff team probably that they can have. Um, I, I just realized, too. I, this is the only team right now because I'm going to pick against Dartmouth. That uh, the only hometown team that I didn't pick for in this in this whole thing. So I'm a little embarrassed by that. That I'm the homer at the end Nick of it all. Homer Fryer. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, this is Milford because again they're a three and four team, and we see like New Bedford's making it to the playoffs with a three and four record, and they're also Division three versus you know Division four. Um, the score to me that jumps out is fourteen to twelve uh, loss to Canton. Canton was a team that beat. Um, a pretty good Dighton Rehoboth team, twenty-five to twenty, uh, to start the season. So to me, kind of that gives a you know barometer of uh, where Milford is. And while I you know I think it would be great for Dartmouth seasons, and and they kind of deserve a break with the tough schedule they're playing. You know they're they're on the road, so I would think Milford would kind of sneak out uh, with a victory. And Dartmouth just probably won't be able to keep pace offensively. That that would be my guess. Yeah, it seems like the Milford offense is clicking recently. And, uh, yeah, that's the thing. If you get three scores against Dartmouth, I mean, I guess they had three scores this last week, but that was the first time all season they'd scored three times in a game. So usually if you score three times a season against the Indians, you're going to get a victory. And uh, I'm going to go Milford as well. Well, thanks for joining me, guys. And uh, that's uh, the Week 8 slate, playoff and non-playoff. As always, you can listen to this podcast wherever you get your podcast if you enjoy it. Give us a follow. Give us a nice good rating. Give us a like. And you can read uh, all of our sports coverage on southcoastvarsity.com, southcoasttoday.com. And as always, follow us on Twitter at SC underscore varsity. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.